But we're going to go ahead and get into the Word. Now, this is going to be kind of like a, a Bible study this morning because I've got a lot of Scripture that I'm going to read. And I've got to be honest with you. I, I want you to pray for me and pray with me because the topic that I'm going to speak on now, some of you all, I know you haven't been here with us the past few weeks, but we've been speaking about the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we talked about how that He was Creator in the beginning. We talked about how that He was the one that was hovering over the earth in the beginning, in, in, in the first one, and that He was... In the chaos, he was in the darkness at work while God was speaking, bringing new life into all creation, right? And then we talked about the Holy Spirit as a person, and Jesus specifically talked to his disciples about how much of a friend that he was going to be. He was going to be a comforter, a helper, one that's called alongside of them, that's going to teach them all things and guide them into all truth. And so we're, we're building this, this groundwork for, for the Holy Spirit and what He does in our lives. But this particular topic that I'm going to preach today, y'all picked a good morning to come because it's probably the most controversial subject that I've ever spoken on and, and the most kickback that I've ever gotten from preaching anything. Matter of fact, some of you may despise me after we get done preaching this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. going to be a good morning, ain't it? Feels good already. So, and it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And some people actually uh, professedly don't necessarily believe it the way that we do. And that's okay. But, but I want to go through Scripture to try to, to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us what this really is, what it's not, right? What it's not, but also what it really is and why it is necessary in the Christian life. So we're going to go ahead and get into that. I'm going to start uh, in, in just reading one verse, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, and, and this is what's so interesting, is I'm going to read this verse of Scripture, and what you'll find is that this same verse, said in a different way, is in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because, and, and usually when something is, is written four times in the Gospels, specifically, it, it's saying that this is important, this is something you need to highlight, this is something you need to pay attention to. And here's what John the Baptist said in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, and remember, John the Baptist was baptizing people in water for the forgiveness of sins. He was calling people to repentance. And here's what he says. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Now, he's speaking about Jesus specifically. And he's saying, look, I want you to prepare the way of the Lord. He's calling them to repent to turn from their sin, to turn from their old way of life. And he's saying, prepare a way for the Lord because Jesus is coming. He's greater than I. I can't even untie this man's shoes. And he's going to do something different than I'm going to do because he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. Everybody got that? John baptized with water. He says, but Jesus is coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's in all four Gospels. So let it, let's pray together after that, okay? Father, I just... I just uh, I just declare my dependence upon you this morning because I know that, Lord, I'm a frail vessel and I don't know everything. Matter of fact, I know very little. And the only way that, that any of this is going to make any sense and the only way that any of this is actually going to work, God, is if you show up and move in our hearts. And I, I can't make anything happen. So, Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you to come. I'm asking you to move in our hearts. I'm asking you to anoint your word and bring it to life, God. And, and I'm asking you to pour out your spirit upon us this morning, Lord. And Lord, let your work be done in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this, this is a topic that a lot of times people want to avoid it. People don't want to speak about it. But I'm very passionate about this topic because I believe that it, that it totally transformed my life. You know that I cannot tell you the day that I was saved. 
I really don't know. A lot of people, for, for a lot of people, that's a big and important thing. And you know what? It is an essential thing. But the issue is, is that I was raised in church and I always believed in God, right? I always believed in God. And I, I can remember even when I was about 8 or 10 years old, I, I, was, I was raised in a Catholic church and I would make a confession of faith all the time. And the thing is, I would do it privately. I would say the Apostles' Creed privately. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified, under, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. I believed those things when I was a young man. But in my teenage years, I obviously drifted from God. I began to live a lifestyle of deep sin. And, and maybe I was saved back in the past. Maybe I wasn't. Who knows? I know that I didn't live like I was saved, Right? And I know that later on in life, when I was 20 years old, I can tell you the day that I finally said, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to turn and go in another direction. I want you to be Lord of my life. But listen, I had probably said the sinner's prayer at this point at least 700 times. Because here's the truth. We, we live in America. We live in a place where people believe that the sinner's prayer is some token that just automatically zaps a person and they're saved. Now, when you believe and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that faith alone saves a person, that you are saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. And sometimes that first time that a person turns their heart to the Lord to believe, there is a transforming work that takes place in their life. They are born again of the Spirit of God. But here's what I want to say is that salvation, there's a way of salvation. We say it like this sometimes. We say that you were saved from the penalty of sin when you got saved. You are now being saved from the power of sin. And then ultimately, you will be saved from the presence of sin. And in Scripture, what you see is that people believe in Jesus and they get saved and they're justified. They're born again by the Spirit of God. But then the Bible talks about a process of sanctification where now you're walking it out and if you really did get saved, this process will take place in your life where you start to look more like Jesus every day. And then there's, there's another place in Scripture where it begins to talk about what we're talking about today and that's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that. But then finally, the last stage is called glorification and that is when you see Jesus face to face and you are completely transformed and you become like Him because you see Him as He is. And so our salvation is not fulfilled until we see Him face to face in that regard. Amen? Everybody with me? So there's a way of salvation, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of the core doctrines in Scripture. It, it, was, it was all throughout Scripture... And all, here's what you need to understand is that all of Jesus' ministry, everything that he did was through and by the power of the Holy Spirit on his life. Matter of fact, he said things like this. He said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, he says, then the Holy Spirit, and then he says, he says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what he's saying is that all ministry is really him working and operating through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom of God into a collision course with the kingdom of darkness. Because you and I both, we were both living in darkness, influenced by demonic powers, but when Jesus begins to save us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a collision course with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness in us. And you know which one wins? The kingdom of God does. And he drives out all of those things in us that used to be. And he begins to change us from the inside out. But Jesus points out that all the, his ministry was under the uh, power of the Holy Spirit. And this is actually why he was called Christ. 
Y'all know that Christ isn't a last name. It's not like Clay Bishop, Jesus Christ, right? It's not his last name. It's a title. And it literally means the anointed one. Because he says, I am anointed and I am empowered by the Spirit to preach the gospel, to preach recovery of sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. He says it was by the power of the Holy Spirit or it would not happen at all. He did not begin his ministry, nor could he fulfill his ministry had the Holy Spirit not come upon him. But see, the Holy Spirit was not just coming upon him because he was Jesus and he was God. The Holy Spirit was coming upon him because he was demonstrating to us that when you live the Christian life, you should rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to use you in ministry the same way that the Holy Spirit used Jesus in ministry. Now, obviously, we're not going to be as powerful as Jesus on our own. But see, the issue is is that Jesus fills the church with his spirit and there are little Christians little anointed ones all over the world empowered by the Spirit to do what Jesus was doing in the earth. Amen. Y'all with me? All right, so we're continuing to, to look at this. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we believe that it is separate and distinct work from what happens when a person is born again. Y'all know that language. Everybody says all the time, old-time preachers say, you got to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Praise God, you do. You have to be born of the Spirit to enter and to see the kingdom of heaven. And to be born of the Spirit means that when you put faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you and lives on the inside of you, and He regenerates your spirit. You can't do this on your own. This is a work of God. He makes a dead spirit. You were dead in your sins and your trespasses, and the Holy Spirit comes and brings new life into your spirit, and all of a sudden you come alive. And there's a difference. You can tell the difference when you come alive because all of a sudden now your desires begin to change. You want to worship God. You have a desire for God. But here's what I want to say about the difference between being saved and born again and then being baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you're saved and you're born again, yes, you receive the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of you. He indwells you. But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, He takes precedence over you. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my experience and so how that I actually was able to distinguish the difference between these two because there was, there was clearly a difference between the time that I believed in Jesus and a change took place in my life and then, when all, then my life radically changed. And I can tell you the moment and the time when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Me getting saved is a little bit unclear because, and, and for a lot of us it's a little bit unclear because everybody in this building and outside in Clay County, you ask them if they know God, yeah, Lord, yeah, we know Lord. He's been good to us as they take a hit off of a joint. Nobody laughed at that. But you understand what I'm saying? Everybody believes they're saved. Everybody believes they know God and they know Jesus. And it becomes unclear when it happened to them sometimes. But there are these two different distinct things. And here's what I want to say. The Holy Spirit lives in me for my sake, but He comes upon me for your sake. He lives in me for my sake and for my salvation, but He comes upon me for your sake and for your salvation. When He comes in me and indwells me, He transforms me, but we believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is more of an empowerment for ministry. He comes in and saves you, but then down the road, He baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and He empowers you to enter into ministry and do things that you could not do on your own. So He comes in me for my sake, but He comes upon me for your sake. Now, some people will say, well, you know, why are there two experiences? Why can't we just have a package deal? Because even people will say, I had a buddy of mine. He's been a Christian for 20 years. 
And he was reading his Bible, and he sent me a message. He sends me a message sometimes and asks me questions about the Bible. And he goes to a church over in Corbin. He's been a Christian for 20 years. He said, man, I was reading in Acts, and I've been reading in Acts, and, he's, and he sent me some verses that we're actually going to read here in a little bit. But he said, he said, you know, it looks like these believers, these Christians are in this place, and it looks like when the apostles come and lay hands on them, that, they're, that they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, it says. And he said, but I must be reading into it too, so, too much because I know that when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's at salvation. And I said, have you ever heard of the term the baptism in the Holy Spirit? He said, no, I've not. I said, you never heard anybody preach about that? He said, no, I've not. And I said, well, that's because people usually don't preach about it. They usually don't talk about it. But we're going to get in Scripture and see that there are two different experiences. And I'll tell you why I believe personally that there are two different experiences between salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's because God did not want to add anything to the experience of salvation. You do not have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You do not have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be, to be uh, saved. Because salvation is distinct and separate and you can't add anything to it. It is not by works. There's nothing to it. But there is something that seems to go beyond that in Scripture. And we're going to look at that, these two different experiences. Because somebody will say, well, show me these two different experiences. Well, let's look at them. John chapter 20, Jesus has been, he's paid the price for sin on the cross. He's been resurrected from the dead. And after he was raised from the dead, he was 40 days on the earth. And in John chapter 20, verses 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews. Look, they're, they're hiding right now. They're not preaching the gospel. They're hiding. They're scared to death. But Jesus has been raised from the dead, and it says, Jesus came and stood in the midst of, and said to them, Peace be with you. I think that's kind of funny because Jesus just walked through a door or walked through a wall and just appeared to them, and then he said, Peace be with you. Last thing, be, I would not be peaceful at that point. I'd be like, How'd you get through that wall, bro? How'd you get through that? He had a glorified body at this point. So he's like, All right, it's cool. Peace be with you. You know, it's going to be all right. Next verse, he says this. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Next verse says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying just what I said. The Father sent me in the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, to preach this gospel of the kingdom and salvation over all creation and I'm sending you in the same power to do the same thing. And here's what he says, though. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, he breathed on them because this, this is reminiscent of God in the garden breathing into Adam, and he breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Adam sinned and became dead in his spirit, and you and I became dead in our spirits. But see, he's saying, Now you're coming alive again. This is the born-again experience. And then he goes into forgiveness, and he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Because he's talking about salvation. What happens at salvation? Guess what? You are forgiven. Your sins are cleansed. No matter what you've done, no matter what has happened to you, he cleanses your sin. You're born again. You have a new heart and a new mind, and all of a sudden your sins are forgiven. But here's what it says in other places. Luke chapter 24, I just want to read verse 49. Because it's the same thing. He, he enters into this room. He says, peace be with them. He shows them his scars. He says, you can touch this, man. I'm a, I have a literal body. I'm raised from the dead. Check me out. 
So they believe in the resurrected Jesus. And based on Scripture, what do people teach? They teach that if you, if you believe in your, in, in your heart that Jesus you know, it, it has, been, has been raised from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. They saw the resurrected Jesus. They confessed Him as Lord, right? And then all of a sudden what happens is he says in Luke 24, 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. Tarry, if you don't know, it means wait. He's saying... I know you've seen me raised from the dead, but you don't have the power to go out and do what I'm sending you to do yet. That's important. Then he says, go and tear in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That word endued means to be clothed. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that Gideon, the Holy Spirit clothed himself with Gideon. That there was this empowerment that came upon him to do what he could not do before. Amen? So then, in the same context, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, again, he's in the upper room, he's speaking to them. These, these three that I'm reading you at the, at the beginning, they're all the same context, they're just said differently. Because here's what I'm trying to point out, is that you can be saved but powerless. You can be saved but absolutely powerless. I believed in Jesus, man. I, I believed in Jesus with all my heart. If somebody came to me and told me about Jesus, I said, look, I already believe in Jesus. You ain't got to tell me. He's a good dude. He's the Lord of all creation. He was raised from the dead on the third day. He was conceived of the, uh, of the, of the Holy Spirit by the Virgin Mary. I believed in Jesus, and I tried to repent of my sins. I gave it my best effort. Man, I really tried. I tried as hard as I could. I really wanted to change. And for 11 months when I, after I believed in Jesus, matter, I didn't change at all. I got worse. Y'all ever got saved? And, and which you can only really do it once, really, right? Once you get... But have you ever given your life to Jesus and said, look, I got saved. I said the prayer. I went to the altar. I did all that stuff, even though that may or may not be what actually saves a person. But you do all that stuff, and then, all, and then you go home, and everything is still the same. Anybody amen me? Nobody likes to admit that because everybody likes to think, well, you get saved, everything should change instantly. No, it doesn't change instantly because this salvation is a process of growth in the Spirit. It takes time. I gave my life to Jesus. I believed in Jesus. I was still addicted to drugs. I was still addicted to pornography. I was still an alcoholic. I still cuss you out at the drop of a hat. Amen? But I had really believed in Jesus. So you can be saved but still powerless. This is why in Acts 1, 4 through 8... Jesus says, look at verse 4, And being assembled together with them, same place, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Now listen, this wait thing is kind of serious. Because what happens is, is what you need to understand, is that if, if to some degree you say, well, you know, I believe in Jesus too, but I've not experienced what you all have experienced. I'm telling you, sometimes you need to get alone with God and spend time with God in God's presence, and let Him teach you what I couldn't. Right? Let Him teach you what a preacher couldn't. Let Him speak to things about you that I couldn't speak to you about on Sunday morning. Where you get along with God, you tarry in His presence, you pray, and you begin to seek God. He says, you need to wait, fellas, for the promise of the Father, which He said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's putting those two baptisms against one another. Because look, 
And the reason that's important is because a lot of people teach that when you are baptized in water, you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't believe that. I believe that when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. But I believe that the Bible teaches that you're actually supposed to live a lifestyle where you're continually being filled with the Spirit and you're continually receiving the fullness of the Spirit and that there is really no limit to the growth of the capacity that you can be filled. Because what we're doing is we're learning to yield more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit so that we can be filled with more of Him. Amen? If I was you, if I was on the other side right now, I'd be getting pumped. I'd be amening me, man. I'd be so excited. And then he says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, Look, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons that, which the Father has put in his own authority. But here, verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, they are, divi- they are indwelt by a divine person, the Holy Spirit. He's God himself that comes and lives in you. And, there's, and see, there's a reason that John the Baptist said when the Holy Spirit, when he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, it's going to be with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Because when that fire comes into your life, one thing that it begins to do is it begins to purify all of the things on the inside of you that are not of God. And it begins to burn them out. But also that fire, I think, is, it, it, it means that all of a sudden you have a passion. You have a burning. Y'all, you all know the difference, right, between Christians who are burning for Jesus and Christians who aren't? You know the difference between a person you get around and they, almost, they have to talk about what the Lord is doing in their life? And they're not just talking about stale, dead doctrine all the time. They're literally in love with Jesus. They're in love with Jesus. They have a passion for God. They're, they're talking about what God is doing in their life. They have a fire. They can't just go out and continue in sin with the rest of everybody else because they have been purified by the fire of God and God has done something in their heart and it's burning in them and you can tell the difference. They're not scared. They're not fearful. They're not afraid to talk about Jesus. There's something on the inside of them burning in them. And here's what Jesus says. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive a power and an enablement to do something that you could never do before. And here's what I want to say, because a lot of times people preach this, and we'll get into this, but they teach that the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. And y'all get scared at that right off the bat. Say, well, I'm gone. Forget this, boys. Now, I want to say this. I don't necessarily, I believe that it happens in Scripture. In Scripture, we'll go to parts where it says that they speak in other tongues. But here's what Jesus says. He says, you want to know really what happens when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit? He says, you're going to be a witness for me. And I'm going to say this, that the greatest evidence that a person is filled with the Holy Spirit is that they have such a burning on the inside of them that they will go up to people who don't know Jesus fearlessly. Maybe they're trembling because they are fearful, but at the end of the day, they know that the most important thing in this world is that that person knows Jesus, and they will go and speak to those people about Jesus so that they might believe and be saved. That is the greatest evidence that a person is truly filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit because they are empowered now to talk about Jesus to other people so that those people might believe and be saved. So I wouldn't say, look, well, if you've not spoken in tongues, you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would say if you never talked to anybody about Jesus, you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That makes it easier for us right off the bat. We'll get into the tongues later, and then you can 
get mad at me. Some of you will be good, though. Some of you will be fine with it. It's going to be good either way. Amen? Y'all still with me, ain't you? Y'all love me. I love you. I appreciate that. So here's what I want to say. My experience was this. I, I can tell you, I, I remember, I, I might have been saved when I was young. Like I said, I said the sinner's prayer at least 11 million times. But again, I don't think that's what saves you. I think for most people, it's a good step of faith. I think when we give, I think when we, at the end of a service, when somebody says, if we say, look, we want you to come forward, we want you to pray, what we're saying is, it's not that that prayer is going to save you, but it's a step of faith for you to begin a relationship and begin a walk with Jesus Christ. That's what we're saying. Because you can't just say, well, I said it, boys, now I can go out and do what I want to. No. That's not how, that's not how it works. You're committing your life to Jesus when you say that prayer. It's not just a card that you get and say, well, now I can go live what I want to. At least I got that taken care of. No, you're committing your life to follow Jesus when you get saved. He's either Lord or he's not. Right? It's one or the other. But see, when we, and I did that. I said the prayer, but, but, but there was still such a struggle. I had addictions. I was addicted to pornography. I was addicted to drugs, to alcohol. I said all these things before. And for 11 months, I tried as hard as I could, right? I tried as hard as I could to quit these things. And matter of fact, it got worse at times. I felt so bad about myself and about my sin that it, that it very much tempted me to give up. Y'all ever been in that position? Were you struggling so bad with your behavior, with your sin, that you just want to give up, man? You just want to throw in a towel because this Christian life is too hard. And nobody can live this. As a matter of fact, I was living so bad in my eyes at the time that I would not go to church. And let me say this to you. I know when I'm preaching sometimes it seems like I'm passionate. Maybe I'm half crazy. But, but if you are in here this morning and you're struggling with sin, I don't care what it is. We want you to turn from that sin, but I'm telling you this right now. I don't care how long you struggle. I want you to be in fellowship with us. We love you. And I've been, look, I've been right there. I've been right there struggling in sin. And just because you say, look, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, we don't expect you to be perfect day one. We don't expect you to be perfect day one, but we do expect you to begin walking it out with us. And if you'll walk it out with us and you'll join with us, we can share experiences. I can tell you about how I struggled with addiction. I can tell you about how, how we, we've had struggles, how we've been through difficult times, but we continued to walk with one another, strengthen one another, and let the Holy Spirit do a work in our life. So no matter where you're at, we say, look, you are welcome here because we're all on the same playing field. I don't care what sin it is. I care what struggle it is. We want you to be with us. And we can walk this thing out together. But see... Having said that, I struggled for 11 months, and there came a point in my life where I, finally, where I finally was ready to give up completely, and I remember this, this, this final day that it happened. I think it, it, was, it was like on a Thursday night. I got, I mean, I was out doing things I shouldn't do. I woke up at another place that next morning, and I'm telling you, and at this point, man, I had been praying. I had been fasting. I had been reading the Bible. I had been spending time in worship. But I kept failing and kept going back. But I've been seeking God, man. I've been after him. And nothing had changed up to this point. I go home the next morning. I'm in my bedroom, and I'm just weeping before God. I'm crying. And I really cannot tell you exactly what happened. All I know is that when I finally said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm done with this. If I can't live for you, if I can't do what your word says, then I just don't even want to live anymore. Please 
take my life. And when I said that, something happened. And the only thing that I can tell is I remember I felt things leaving me. I felt completely exposed. It was like a light was shining in all of the darkness of my heart in a moment of time. And I felt things being driven out of me. And this light was shining into who I was. And all of a sudden, everything I had read in in the Bible, it clicked. Everything made sense all of a sudden. And it was like I saw Jesus for who he was. And I thought he was going to be so mad at me, but what I actually experienced was that he, how much that he loved me and how glad he was to finally set me free. Now, here's the, 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 very, the initial thing that happened in my life when that happened. When that happened, day after, I was completely set free. I don't know if I had been able to go more than a day without some sort of pornography or alcohol or drugs. I just don't know if I'd have been able to go a day without it at that point, right? After that, completely set free. It was over. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it gives you power over sin that you never had before. And listen, we want that. Because, because what our youth believes right now, what our youth believes when they look at church is they see it as powerless, as pointless, because you just go to church on Sunday morning, and they sing some songs that you may or may not like, but at the end of the day, all you're doing is trying to be a better person, and you just leave, but you don't have any power to change. I'm telling you that God has supplied us the power to change. God has supplied us the power to live a life that looks like Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from. He says, I am supplying you the power that you need to overcome sin, to live a different life, and to live a victorious life. Your matter of fact, you are going to be compelled to be my witnesses. See, this is the next thing that I experienced, is as soon as this happened, I was so afraid to talk to any of my buddies about Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Because, I mean, we, we sold marijuana in the house sometimes, and, and, and we, we, all we did was drink and party, and that's what we did all the time. And so for me to go to those guys and just say, look, guys, Jesus changed my life, you know, because everybody, th- everybody thinks as soon as you become a Christian, you become weird. So I, but, but here's what happened. Is I, the whole time I wasn't even telling them what was going on in my life that I was seeking God. After that happened, this was in the morning, and it was a Friday morning, my sister, I, at this time I was living with my sister in Lexington. I walked down the stairs. She's with two of her co-workers. And I had not told anybody about this point over the past 11 months that I've been seeking God. I walked down the stairs. I've been weeping. i only probably been asleep two hours. I was filled with the Spirit. I come down and I start just pouring out of my mouth telling them what Jesus had done. Just, it just flowed out of me. And I was like, man, what's going on here? And, and I'd cry a minute and I'd laugh a minute. I sat down and, and, and turned on the TV. And it, I, I turned it on one of them Christian stations. It just showed a picture of Jesus on the cross. I broke down and started crying again. I was like, what's going on here, God? Freaking out. You know, but but what, what, what I'm trying to say is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a dramatic life change. It's a difference between, well, he's in me, and all of a sudden he has overcome me. Everything has changed. Everything is different. And this is what he's saying. He said, I want to baptize you. You know, to be baptized means to be immersed. See, I want you to picture this. When you get saved, you take a drink of water, and he lives on the inside of you. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he dunks you in the water, and you live from that place. Because it's one thing to be saved from sin. It's another thing to have power over sin. And not only that, but to now have the boldness to lead others out of that same sin that you just came out of. See, because I don't need to just be saved. I need to be empowered so that other people might be saved as well. And this is why it's so important. 
This is why it's so essential. Now, th- th- that was my experience. And listen, here's what began to happen. Now, I didn't, like I said, I grew up in a Catholic church. We went to a Presbyterian church sometimes, both good churches. I ain't, I, I'm not here to bash any denomination at any time, praise God. It's one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But, but I didn't know, you know, the, the things that are going on uh, about any of these things. I didn't know. I never heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, never even heard about the gifts of the Spirit. But what I noticed is that almost every day of my life, I, it was like I was compelled I mean, every time I got around one of my buddies, my heart would start to beat out of my chest. And I never felt that before. And what was it? It was the Holy Spirit manifesting in me saying, you need to speak to these men about this. And when he was in me beating in my chest and my heart was throbbing, it was like I was compelled. Did I have the choice to say no and resist him? Absolutely. You can always resist the Holy Spirit. But... He's beating in my chest. The only thing I know to do at that point is to yield and begin to speak. And when I did, he would give me the words to say to him at that moment. And they would just kind of look at me like, and he's, he's lost his mind. But what I'm saying is, would I, have ever, would I have ever done that apart from the Holy Spirit living in me and compelling me? No. I can tell you right now I wouldn't have done it. I didn't want to talk to people about Jesus. I didn't want to get into ministry. Listen, my plan was not to be in ministry. But when that happened to me, I could not stop but from being in ministry. And a lot of times what happens is, is people grow up in church and they hear the truth all the time and then they just become a preacher because it seems like the right thing to do. But I'm telling you, I didn't want to be a preacher. And the Holy Spirit so grabbed a hold of me that I kept preaching everywhere that I went until finally somebody said, man, do you think God's called you to preach? I said, man, maybe he has. So I prayed about it a little bit, and then, I, and, then I, and then it was clear that, yes, this is what the Lord was calling me to do. But it was because of that fire of the Holy Spirit that was beginning to burn in me. And I'm telling you right now, listen, I, that's one thing that I don't care what happens in this world. Look, if I preach this sermon and some of you get offended and never come back, it is worth it to me because I will not trade that fire burning in my heart for anything. And if just a handful of people would come to begin to understand that, that, that you can have that same fire too and, it's, and, it's, and, and that you, God can burn in your heart like that, then I'm willing to offend some for the sake of some receiving it. I'm not, I, don't want, I don't want to water it down. I don't want to preach something where people are not going to receive the fullness of God. I don't know about you, but I want everything God has to offer. Amen? So that, that began to happen in my life. And then I would have impressions to say things. And, and, then, and then the Lord started leading me into the gifts of the Spirit. But we'll get into that at another time. See, the, the, there's many examples, especially in the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first one is Acts chapter 2. They go and they tarry in the upper room in Jerusalem. You know how long they were in the upper room praying? Ten days. You imagine being in a prayer meeting ten days? Man, that'd be a good one. We try to have prayer meeting, there'll be two people show up, they'll stay 30 minutes. Amen. They were in the upper room 10 days. And on the 10th day, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the place where they were sitting. And it says, there appeared to them divided tongues like as a fire resting upon their head individually. And it says, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now this is a recreation of Pentecost in the Old Testament. But do you remember in the Old Testament, there was a a pillar of fire by day. And that pillar of fire would move. And when it would move, they would pack up their stuff and they would follow that fire. But it was always hover 
over the tabernacle, what God was saying is, you are now the tabernacle. You're now the dwelling place of God and you're going to be led by the Spirit of God and that fire is over top of you. And when that fire moves, you're going to follow that fire. Does that make sense? So they begin to speak in other tongues and guess what? This particular time, they were speaking in known languages. There were people gathered around from everywhere, from different places all over the world to to, to celebrate Passover. And the scripture says that they all came when they heard the sound. And they were amazed and they were perplexed because they said, these guys are speaking in our known languages, so many different languages, and they're declaring the wonderful works of God. It says some were amazed, some were perplexed, and others mocking said, no, these men are drunk on new wine. And that's when Peter got up. And look, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times, that was hiding in an upper room because he was afraid that he was going to be crucified like Jesus. He was scared. He was cowardly. But now he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden he stands up and he says, Boys, these men ain't drunk. It's only 9 a.m. 4 p.m.'s happy hour, maybe then. But it's 9 a.m. right now. And these men ain't drunk. Matter of fact, what is happening is what Joel the prophet said back in the day, that in the last days I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And in those days I'll pour my spirit out upon my men servants and my maid servants and they shall prophesy. Now a lot of people get hung up and they say, well, no, you know, prophecy is it's over now because we have the full word of God. Here's what we're going to say. Prophecy, according to the Bible... Biblical New Testament Scripture, prophecy is not the same authority as Scripture. But what happens, what God is saying is, what happens is you now now have a power to speak on behalf of God, but if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not real prophecy. But guess what? That don't mean we throw it out. Because God says it's still a gift for new covenant believers that they can be empowered by the Spirit to speak things under the anointing of God, but it does not take greater authority than Scripture. Amen me. Y'all got to be with me this morning. And I've seen this. I'm going to tell you something just while I'm at it. I'm going to shake a few limbs here this morning. And we're going to get out of here at some point. But y'all are going to hang with me. Amen. Because the gift of prophecy, I'm telling you, there have been times in my life when I needed to hear from God. And I'm just like I said before, I go to the scriptures first and foremost in everything. And I read and I pray, but there are times when I need a specific word from God. And God has sent men and women to me at particular times in my life. Not many times, but a few times that they have spoken directly into the situation in my life through the gift of prophecy. And it made it so clear because God was already bearing witness with me that this was what I needed to do. And man, and, and so I, we cannot look. In the world we live in today, we do not have time to say that the gifts are no longer any good. We just don't have time for it. Now, what I can tell you is that in many churches, the the gifts have been abused. The gifts have been misused. Tongues, interpretation, prophecy, healing, all of those things have been abused. They have. But that does not mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. If I was Satan, I would attack that which is very powerful, and I would get people to abuse it and misuse it until everybody just rejected it and ignored it. But the issue is that now they're not walking in any power. The issue is now they don't have a word from God when they need a word from God that's going to convince the human heart. We're going to get into this in a minute. I, I, I'm sorry. Peter stands up and he preaches, and he preaches about Jesus because, again, they spoke in tongues, but the, you know, the tongues didn't save them. You know what saved the people? 
Peter getting up and preaching the Word of God. He got up under the Spirit of God. He preached the Word of God. He's quoting the Old Testament. He's preaching about Jesus crucified. And then they're all convicted in their heart and it says, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, for the forgiveness of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you shall receive is actually future tense. He's saying this is going to happen following you repenting and being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and this promise is is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Guess what? We're still living in the last days, and God is still calling people, and he's still saying that this gift is for you today. He's still saying that you need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let's look at a few other scriptures really quick. In Acts Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8, because, because people will say, well, you know, that's just not enough for me to go on. Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it tells us that Philip was preaching in Samaria, and the people there were in one accord and gave heed to the things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But when they believed Philip, this is verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So he's down there. Miracles are happening. The lame are walking. Demons are getting cast out of people. There's great joy in the city, the scripture says. And then while he's preaching, it says, many that believed in him, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But look, if you go a few verses down, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. But I thought they just got baptized. What do they need the Holy Spirit for? Y'all see the difference? He said, For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. The apostles heard. They were like, boys, are they getting saved down there? Yeah, they're getting saved. They said, well, let's send our men down there to pray for them that they might receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit because here's what they knew. They knew that they had believed in Jesus just like these men had believed in Jesus. But even though they had believed in Jesus and seen Him resurrected, they were still fearful apart from the power of the Holy Spirit to empower them to do ministry. And He said, it's not enough that they're just saved. We need them empowered to preach the gospel and and see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven the same way that we have it. You see see how important it is for them. It was that important. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read another one to you. There's a man named Cornelius. He's a centurion of an Italian regiment. And at this point, so he's a Gentile. He's not even a Jewish man. And he's he's going to be the first Gentile to get saved. And he's praying and he's fasting. And an angel appears to him and says, I want you to send for for Peter. He's down in Joppa. And meanwhile, Peter is having a revelation from God. Peter has a vision before the Lord, and the Lord is basically telling him, look, don't you call unclean what I have cleansed. And he's speaking not only about foods, but he's speaking about people. He's saying, I'm about to send the gospel to the Gentiles. And he said, some men are looking for you. You need to go with them. So Peter goes with these men. He comes to Cornelius and his household and he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gets to a point 
in verse, it gets to a point about verse 44 where he says, look, and, it's, and he's told us to go everywhere and preach that people ought to repent. And whoever will believe in the name of Jesus, they'll receive forgiveness of sins. And it says, while he was preaching these things in verse 44, Acts 10, 44. Put that up there. I want you to read it with me. It says, while he, Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. You see that? And then it says, Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So he goes down, and while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on them. It says they speak in tongues and they magnify God. Then Peter says, Well, it looks like God really is saving these folks. So can we forbid them to be baptized in water? See, do you know that I was actually filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit before I got baptized in water? Now, that's not the general operation for it, but that's the way it happened for me. And I knew, based on obedience... See, you need, to be, you need to be baptized in water if you've not been. If you're a believer in Jesus, really, that is your public profession of faith. That's what you need to do instead of coming forward and saying the sinner's prayer. You need to commit to the Lord Jesus, you need to commit to His body, and you need to be baptized in water. Amen. But then he says that these two things seem to be distinct because he baptizes them in water after they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what's interesting. Some of the Jewish Christians hear this, and they get mad in chapter 11, verse 3, and they say, Peter, you down there talking with them guys and eating with them guys that are uncircumcised. They're Gentiles. They were hung up in what they believe because people get hung up on what they believe a lot of times, don't they? They're not open to certain things, and they weren't open to it. And what happens is, in Acts 11, verse 15 through 17, look at what he says. He's talking to them about everything that happened, and then he says, As I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I love what he says here. He says, If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I would withstand God? That word withstand is literally forbid. Who was I that I would forbid God? You know that people everywhere right now are actually forbidding God to do things. God, we know that's in Scripture, but we ain't letting you do it here. God, I see that in the Bible, but you ain't doing it in my life. And do you know this? That God will always respect your free will. If you say, I don't believe that, I don't want that, guess what? You won't get it. There are people, and I'm sorry, that, my tone there, I need to draw that back and be nicer because usually people will receive it if you're gentler, right? But my point is, what I'm being adamant about is I hear people all the time who are so against this teaching and there's nothing except goodness in it. I know there's been some weird stuff, but we ain't asking you to do nothing weird. Matter of fact, I'm going to guarantee you that when I get done preaching this, we ain't expecting nothing weird to happen. We ain't expecting anybody to do this. We ain't expecting nobody to start speaking in tongues and just start head-bogging like this. Because we don't, we don't believe that. We believe that's flesh. We, listen, God can do amazing things. But when God moves and the gifts of the Spirit move, there's order to it. 
And Paul, Paul addresses that. He said, boys, I know that God moves, and I know you get excited, and we want you to be excited, but there are times when the Spirit moves that you've got to learn how He moves because a lot of times He moves and you get out of control. Now, that's why people turn, tune out the Holy Spirit altogether is because some people get out of control and they say, if God's doing that, I don't want it. Amen? Isn't that what people do? But see, nothing necessarily crazy happened. It didn't say that they spoke in tongues. But I don't even believe that that's... Look, matter of fact, Paul said concerning the spiritual gifts, he said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. That means that even when God is using you in a spiritual gift, that you are always still in control. If anybody says, man, I just lost control. I don't know what happened. I sort of blacked out. It was probably a demon overtook them. I need to get one giggle out of y'all just to like, help me out. Acts 19, let's look at this. Because it's all throughout the book of Acts. It says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul having passed through the upper regions, this is Acts 19 verse 1, he came to Ephesus and finding some disciples he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, Donald and I were talking about this verse earlier this week. Because the Apostle Paul, imagine, he walks up on some believers. He could have talked about anything, couldn't he? he I mean, he knows everything. He could have said, boys, have you been justified by faith yet? Boys, have you been baptized in water? Boys, do you know about the doctrine of grace? Do you know about the doctrine of election? He could have said a million different things. The one thing he asked them is, have you received the Holy Spirit when you, when you believed? Now that, for a lot of people, that's a messed up question because if you go to a person that's a Christian right now and you ask them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They would be offended. They'd say, of course I did. He's in me. And you know what? They would be, be, that would be true, but he's referring to something different here. And they said, so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And in verse 3, he said, and what, in, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, see, people are so against anti-tongues. You know that you cannot find one negative scripture in the Bible concerning tongues. The only one that you can find that, that is somewhat negative is when Paul says, look, when you're speaking in tongues, he says, it's better that if you prophesy, because if you speak in tongues in the church, he said, people ain't going to understand you. But if you prophesy, then people understand what you're saying. That's the only thing negative. Other than that, he says, he says a lot of different positive things about tongues, and we'll get into that. But here, here's the issue now. So we got it scripturally, right? So how do I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And I want to say this. It is a gift that is received just by, by faith the same way that you receive salvation. You don't have to work anything up. You don't have to muster anything, anything up. Anything up, anything up. Experience. I had a personal experience when it happened to me, and I had a personal experience that... That, that was unique, but I know people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and they did, nothing dramatic happened. Just by faith, they received it, and over time, things begin to change in their life. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, 
It says this. It says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let me tell you something. Your natural man and your natural mind is never going to understand something like the gift of tongues or even the gift of the Spirit for that, the gifts of the Spirit for that matter. Because the, your natural man and your carnal mind, they see all of those things as foolishness. And it says, neither can they receive them. I remember the first time I heard somebody speaking tongues, it freaked me out too. But here, here was my experience with tongues. And the, and the reason I'm talking about it, I know y'all are like, uh-oh, it's about to get weird in here. If it's in the Bible, we got to talk about it at some point. We have to. We got to talk about it at some point. So here was my experience. That time when I told you my experience when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I really didn't even know about tongues, but all of a sudden it was like I had a desire for it. It was the weirdest thing. And I was thinking to myself, why do I even have a desire for this? I don't even know if I want that or not. So what I chose to do that Thursday night after that happened is I went on a three-day fast. And I didn't eat anything for three days. I drank water and I prayed and I said, God, I want to know what tongues is really all about. Because here's the other interesting thing is that, is that up until that point, I hadn't heard anything about it. And the only thing that I had heard about it was negative. Anybody amen me on that? Matter of fact, when a preacher had heard that I was going to a Pentecostal church you know, he knew, he used to know that I was an alcoholic. He used to know that I struggled with sin. He never talked to me about Jesus one time. But then when he heard that I went to a Pentecostal church, he came to me and gave me a book called Charismatic Chaos. And I said, brother, you never came and talked to me when I was struggling with sin. Why are you going to come now just because I go to a Pentecostal church and tell me what they're doing is wrong? I don't know, that hit me the wrong way. So I said, I'm not going to trust that guy because he didn't help me before. And I said, but I don't know if the people, crazy people down to Pentecostal church are right either, Lord. I don't know. So I prayed, I fasted, I said, God, you're going to have to show me what's going on. And on the third day of my fast, I went to church that night. And as I was, and as I was sitting in the back, of the, because at this point I'd never even been to an altar before. I didn't go to church, you know what I'm saying? I was sitting about midway back and this preacher gets done with his sermon. And, and at this point he, he, just, he just stopped and he turned and he said, you know, somebody in here has been praying about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And he said, I, 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 won't you just come up here right now, whoever you are, I believe the Lord's going to fill you. And I kid you not, my heart began to beat out of my chest. I didn't want to go forward, but I felt like, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do it. My first time I'd ever been to the altar. And I went up to the altar, and I, and I mean, at this time, I'm so overwhelmed, my knees are shaking. And you know how like you go to a crazy Pentecostal church and everybody's like laying hands on them and people are falling out and falling out, all that stuff? Well, listen, I didn't even know people did that at the time. I'd never seen it happen before, but my knees were so weak that I fell down onto the ground while I was up there. And I'm sitting there laying, and this woman comes up to me and puts a blanket over me. I'm like, I ain't cold. Get it off of me. I couldn't figure out what she did it for. You know, like when, if you go to one of them churches and everybody's falling out in the spirit, and I'm gonna say, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, a lot of times that stuff is just, it, it, a lot of times it is flesh. A lot of times it's just a lot of social manipulation. And, and I mean, if you're going down the line and you see two, 10 people fall out before you and you're the 11th one, you're like, boys, I better go down too. I mean, that's my mentality. Y'all amen me. I'm just like, it's just like you, you start getting manipulated. You're like, if I don't go down, I'm the weird one. 
So I'll grant you that that stuff's kind of weird too. But I'll tell you this. Ain't nobody put their hands on me. I couldn't stand up. I was overwhelmed with the presence of God, with the power of God. And I was, it was almost like I was in shock. And, and it, that, I, put, I pulled that blanket off of me. And because, you know, when you go out in the spirit, you're supposed to do this too. And just look like you're in a trance state. My eyes are wide open. I'm like, don't nobody come up here. I don't know what's happening right now. And then, and, and then while I'm feeling this, while I'm feeling this, this, this young lady comes up and she puts her hands on me and she just starts praying this, this really peaceful prayer. And I'm listening to her praying for me and I just start to relax and I start to cry because I just sense the presence and love of God. And you know, this woman came up to me and she said, you know, I know you've been praying for the, for, for the gift of tongues. I know that, that you've been praying for that. She said, the Holy Spirit's all over you. She said, why don't you just speak? And I said, well, that's weird. Like, I, I thought in my mind, you're supposed, like, he's supposed to take over control of your tongue and just start moving it. Right? I mean, when people think about the gifts of the Spirit, they think of it as you losing control and God just possessing you for a moment. But here's what I want to tell you. He'll never do that to you. He'll never force you to do anything. And what happened to me is I finally realized, okay, this is something that's going to take my will. I'm going to have to do it. And so I began, I began to speak. And it was really weird at first. In my mind, I was saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? Is this me? Is this me? And I started speaking. And I started speaking in tongues. Now, you know, uh-oh, this guy's crazy. So it was still very strange to me, but I knew something had happened. So I went home that night. And for the rest of the week, I prayed in tongues every single day. As an act of my will, I chose to do it. I prayed in tongues every single day. And here's what I said to the Lord. I said, Lord, this is still weird. My mind, I can't wrap my mind around it, but I chose to do it. I prayed in tongues every single day for that week. And see, because here's, I'll show you where scripture says that you can actually do this, right? And, and so I prayed every day for that week. And I continued. I said, God, if, I'm going to pray this week. And I'm telling you, if this is not you, I want you to shut it down in me. I don't want it to happen because it's weird and I don't get it. But I could not deny the fact that when I prayed, I felt a nearness to God and I felt like I was getting supercharged in my spirit. So I go back to church the following Sunday and I, just a regular Sunday morning service. I go, I go to a Sunday night service and that Sunday night I've been praying in tongues all week. And this is what happened. You can believe me or not. I almost don't believe me, so it's okay. At the end of the service, we got in a big circle and we were praying and we were all holding hands in the circle. And it got so quiet at one point, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, it was just, it was just still and quiet. And I was in a circle praying. And when that happened, I just felt the Spirit of God overwhelm me again. My heart started beating out of my chest. But in my heart, I knew that I was supposed to speak in tongues out loud and give a message in tongues. Now, this just goes to show you that people aren't overwhelmed because you know what I did? I didn't do it because I was afraid. And as soon as I didn't do it because I was afraid, I felt that impression lift off of me and leave me, and I felt terrible. And I said, Lord, if that was really you and you wanted me to really do this, then come back again and use me again. And he came back on me, and my heart started beating out of my chest. And I opened my mouth, and I began to speak, and I, and I spoke in tongues. And I got done, and a man interpreted it, right? He interpreted it. And after service, I went home. It was a unique experience. I was crying again because I was just overwhelmed by the presence of God. And, and one of my pastors called me. He said, do you, he said, do you know what happened earlier? I said, not really. He said, well, let me tell you something. He said, there was a man there. He's a Mexican man. 
just at this service this night. Doesn't even go to church there. And there was also a woman sitting in a totally different part of the, of the sanctuary. And he said, and she's a Spanish teacher. And he said, and she came up to me first and said that you spoke in perfect Spanish. And that was shocking to her. And she said, not only that, but it seemed like the interpretation was what, you had, what he had said in Spanish. And he said, well, I, he said, and I thought, well, she's just lying. You know, that ain't true. And then, and then, and then so he, he brushed it off. Ten minutes later, this Mexican guy comes up and he said, did you know that young man was speaking in, in Spanish? And not only that, his accent was almost flawless. And he said, and what you said was pretty much dead on what he had said in, in, in Spanish. Now, let me tell you something. I was speaking as an act of my will. Nothing got a hold of me. Nothing overtook me. I was impressed by the Holy Spirit to speak because the Bible says they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You must choose to speak. He gives the utterance. Now, there are three types of tongues, and all three of them happened in that occasion for me, right? In Acts chapter 2, people say, well, you know, see, when people speak in tongues, they speak in known languages. And that's true sometimes. In Acts chapter 2, it was a known language. That day for me, it was a known language. But I've never seen that happen again other than that one particular time because the Bible says this. It says in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, if any man speaks in an unknown tongue, he does not speak to men, but he speaks unto God, it says. You can read it for yourself. He says, how be it? He, say, he says, no man understands him. No man understands him because in the Spirit, he's speaking mysteries. It's not about a man understanding you when you're praying in tongues. And then in, in verse 4, it says a man who speaks in tongues, he says he edifies himself. He builds himself up. He strengthens himself. See, it's a gift that is given to you where you can pray in tongues. You can pray in the Spirit. You can build yourself up. And somebody said, well, you know, and, and here's the other thing, because a lot of people have made it bad. I, I know people who speak in tongues, and they're not that great of Christians. I know people who don't speak in tongues, and they're the, some of the best Christians I've ever known. So speaking in tongues does not make you a better Christian. doesn't. So you don't have to feel like a second-class Christian if you say, well, I don't do that. It's not what it's about. It's about a gift that God chooses to give you that you can pray. See, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, Paul says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. He says, what's the conclusion then? He says, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. He's saying, I'll pray in tongues and I'll pray with my mind too. I'll pray in English too. He says, I'll sing in tongues. I'll sing with the spirit and I'll sing in my understanding too. And it goes down in verse 18. In verse 5, he said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. In verse 18, he says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you all put together. So what he's not saying is that it's a bad thing. He's saying it's a wonderful gift from God. But he's saying when you do it in the church, if anybody speaks in tongues out loud, he said in verse 29, let two or three at the most do it and let another interpret and he says, and if no one interprets, then you need to start speaking in your tongue, in, in tongue silently to you and to God. Because he says, if people come in, they don't know what's going on. They'll hear you speak in tongues, and they'll say, these people are crazy. I mean, that's what he said. So he says, it's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, in verse 39, he says, forbid not to speak with tongues. You want to obey Scripture, you better make sure you don't forbid people to speak with tongues, nor put an impression on them that makes them feel like it's a bad thing for doing it. It's a good thing if it's done the right way. See, these men, they were baptized in the Spirit. And listen, tongues is the, maybe the, 
It's not, it's not the emphasis that we focus on. Ba the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes because you choose to be intimate with Jesus. He's the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. There's no pressure right now on you to do anything. I want you to know that. We're not going to lay hands on you. I'm not going to try to push you down in the floor. I'm not going to do any of that this morning. But I am saying that for some of you, you might receive something this morning from God that you've never received for, for, for in your life. And if you don't, don't get discouraged because you can go home and you can receive it. You can receive it throughout the week. But the Bible teaches us that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the initial thing that happens. But we learn to live a life where we're constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're filled again. And we're filled again. Because I can leak a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? I can get filled and leak some. But I needed to address those particular things because, because we want the fullness of what God has for us. Amen? We want the fullness of what God has for us. So number one, you've got to remove all barriers if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've tried to remove some doctrinally. I mean, I hope she don't mind me saying, but even my wife, when we, when we got together... You know, she had just been taught growing up that this, that this stuff was, it had ceased, it had stopped. And, uh, and not only that, but sometimes you even hear people say things like, it's of the devil. That what I'm preaching to you right now is, is of the devil. You know, that's, that, I mean, it's almost, I don't, it's almost sad. It's kind of, it's kind of offensive too, because, because I feel like it's like, and I know people abuse it, but that doesn't give us the right to become a Pharisee and say, Jesus, what you're doing here is of the devil. No, it's not of the devil. It's a great gift from God. Somebody said, well, you know, I, I'm afraid to get into that stuff because what, what if I give myself over to an unclean spirit? The Bible says that if, how many of you on earth, if you're a good father, you're going to give your gifts, good gifts to your children. He said, how much more so if you ask your father for, for a, a fish? He said, is he going to give you a serpent? Or if you ask him for an egg, is he going to give you a scorpion? No, he's going to give you good gifts. And he says, so much more will your, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. But you've got to remove all those barriers. And it's difficult. For people who have heard different, it's difficult. But I'm, just, I'm laying a groundwork for you. If you're not comfortable with it now, that's fine. You can receive it later. But it hangs people up and they don't. And the second thing is, is you need to desire and request the free gift of the Holy Spirit. See, because desire is one of the key things for any of the gifts of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit to act in your life. If you don't want it, He will not force anything upon you. You have to desire and you have to request it. You have to ask for the Holy Spirit. And like I said, it's about intimacy with Jesus. It's not about anything crazy. And thirdly, you have to receive the gift of the Spirit. What you're going to do is as we worship and pray, we're going to pray a prayer. You're going to ask for the Holy Spirit. And as we worship and pray... What you'll find is that all of a sudden you just begin yielding to more of the Spirit. And, and, and some of y'all, you do this in worship sometimes. You just start to lift your hands. You start to speak to Jesus. You start to not care about the people around you. And once you get lost in the worship of Jesus, and the focus is not on tongues, the focus is not on any kind of weird manifestation, but you get lost in Jesus, and all of a sudden you begin to sense that from the Spirit you're flowing, and you begin you choose to respond to the Spirit. You choose to speak in tongues, and that's the fourth thing, is you release your prayer language. It's an act of faith. The Holy Spirit is never going to take over your tongue. He won't take over your tongue to prophesy. He won't take over your body to go pray for a sick person. 
He will never take you over, but He will influence and He will say, receive this gift and you'll choose as an act of your will. Paul said, what's the conclusion? And he said, I will pray in the Spirit. I will too. I choose to do it when I want to. That's why I said y'all need to be in order. Why? Because you're the one that's in control. You can choose when you speak in tongues and you can choose when you stop. You'll never lose control. But what happens is, is if you begin to pray, you're going to sense, man, this is a communication between me and God where my mind doesn't get what I'm saying, but deep down in here I know something's going on in my spirit. And I'm telling you right now, probably the greatest things that the Lord has ever spoken to me is when I'm praying in the spirit and all of a sudden he uses my mind as a canvas to speak to me about something. And all of a sudden, my mind submits to what's going on in here in the Spirit. And my brain shuts off because for a lot of you, your brain is what gets in the way. Amen. And you say, I don't know what to pray. Guess what? He gave you a prayer language. So when you don't know what to pray, He'll pray with you. And you pray out the mysteries of God. You pray out the will of God. That's a wonderful gift. I pray in the Spirit every day. I pray in English every day. But I want the gift of God. I want to edify myself. I want to be strengthened. I don't know anybody that says, you know what, Clay, I've had a, I got enough power. I got enough of God. I got enough of the Spirit. I don't really need anything else. I don't know. I want everything He's God. I want more. Amen. Why don't you just stand to your feet with me? I want us to pray one quick prayer together. Now, I know I've taken a lot of time. I know I have, but, but that's a difficult message, and it's not something you can just do in a very quick, short way. So I want you to just pray this prayer with me, if you would. Just close your eyes, open your hands to the Lord, if you would, right now. I want you to just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I am a believer. Say it where I can hear you. Heavenly Father, I am a believer. And I am your child. And you are my Father. Jesus is my Lord. And I believe with all of my heart that your word is sure. Your word says if I will ask, I will receive the Holy Spirit. So in the name of Jesus, my Lord, I'm asking you to fill me to overflowing with your precious Holy Spirit. Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Because of your word, I believe that I now receive and I thank you for it. I believe the Holy Spirit is within me and by faith I accept it. Now Holy Spirit, rise up within me as I praise God. And I fully expect to receive everything you have for me and to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And just continue right now where you're at. Just continue to worship the Lord. Here's what I want to do. And I, we're not going to put pressure on anybody for anything. But I want you to take these next few moments. I know we've been here for a while. But if you are willing... And you say, you know what, I want more of God. I want you to come forward and just begin to stand around this altar. If you say, I want more of God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fine. I'm not okay with just having a little bit of God. I want to give my life completely to Jesus. And if you've not been saved, I want this step of faith coming forward to be the step where you say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And right now, everybody that will, everybody that will just begin to come forward. If you need prayer for anything at all, we want
pray with you. But right now, here's what I want. I want us all to just begin to worship. We're going to begin to sing. And some of you, you're going to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to use you in a way that He's never used you before. He's going to begin to speak through you. And if you need prayer for anything, just